We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you catch kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromelo, joined as always by my right hand man, Hal Bent, to full press coverage. And in case it didn't feel real to you in August, when training camps and preseason games began, it better feel that way now because we are only one week away from the kickoff of the 2022 NFL regular season with the Bills taking on the Rams. And after an unprecedented offseason that saw several star players change teams, I couldn't be more revved up for another season of the greatest reality TV show ever conceived, the National Football League. Could you, Hal? No way, no how. This is, I mean, after this offseason, we got a doozy of a season. I can't wait to see what comes out of, heck, I'd be happy just to watch the AFC West duke it out all season. That's a heavyweight battle. Forget about the rest of the league. Oh, <laughs> Definitely, definitely. And we're going to talk about a big week one AFC West matchup later on in the show, but we start with another AFC West team, and it happens to be where I am at right now. I am coming from you today from my mom's cousin's house in Colorado, and it's the same place where late last night the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson agreed to terms on a massive five-year contract extension that ties him to Denver through 2028. The deal is worth up to $245 million and includes $165 million in total guarantees, a $50 million signing bonus, and a three-year cash flow of $124 million. While some agents ridiculed Russell Wilson on Twitter for not insisting on a fully guaranteed deal, some fans ridiculed the Broncos for overpaying for a quarterback they think is past his prime. Do you think this was the best possible deal for both Russell Wilson and the Broncos? Yes, I actually do. I think it's a, a great deal on both sides uh, for the player and for the team. I mean, after the Deshaun Watson bizarre fully guaranteed contract, uh, the NFL had to reset and say, look, we're not, you know, the owners are not going to do that. That was a, you know, rogue agent out there, uh, you know, doing clearly doing the Haslam's doing whatever they could to get Deshaun Watson, whatever it took. And, you know, they're paying the price now, but, um, you know, they had to fully guarantee no doubt about it. So for Denver, it's a win. They didn't have to fully guarantee that for Russell Wilson. Look, if they traded him there. He wants to be there. Clearly it's not a deal that's going to hamstring the team going forward. He's still one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. This is a win-win for both sides. I definitely agree with you there, my friend. But when it comes to the upcoming contract negotiations of uh, Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson after this season, I am not sure I would accept, if I'm either one of them, a deal that includes less than a full guarantee of $230 billion, which is what Deshaun Watts got. Because Russell Wilson, not saying he's on the back nine of his career, but he's uh, 33 years old. He's only looking at seven more years, where Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert are looking at another decade plus in this league. So if you are Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert, do you do everything you can to make sure your full guarantee exceeds that of Deshaun Watson's $230 million? 
I mean, yeah, that, that's a tough one because the age certainly plays a huge part of that. You know, I mean, there's, you know, eight, nine, 10 years age difference there with Russell Wilson, who, you know, let's face it, is still getting, you know, second most total guaranteed going forward right now. So um, still a good deal for Wilson there. But yeah, I, I you know, total guaranteed 230 depends how long these guys want to negotiate that contract as well you know when you're that young do you want to do it you know 10 12 year deal and make it a career or do you want to say look i'm only looking for you know five or six years and i'm going to get back on the market while i'm still in my prime and you know who knows what the value could be at that time so uh, some of it's got to go into that but as far as that you know total or fully guaranteed amount yeah i mean that watson number it's just so huge and so ridiculous in comparison to every other quarterback you know the patrick mahomes the josh allen aaron Rodgers, even kyler murray's deal here now um you know just pale in comparison to that number so you know is it a a one-time mistake that's what's going to make those two negotiations so difficult because, you know, like you said, the expectation is there to say, hey, that's the starting point on our side. And for the ownership group to say, whoa, 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 that's one crazy owner out there <laughs> on his own island. We're not going near that. Sorry. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's such a huge complication in the deal. I would have to lean to say, you know, 200 million guaranteed sure i can see that 230 240 250 i don't know that's a, that's a lot right there yes and you brought up a good point with the patrick mahomes uh, 10-year deal that he got from the chiefs i could easily see the chargers trying to replicate that model because that uh, deal has worked out brilliantly for mahomes and the chiefs yeah, especially for the Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes is, you know, should be asking him to rip it up at this point and start over. You know, now you look at him and you're going, Mahomes, what a great deal for the Chiefs. You know, they got their quarterback locked up long term at, you know, a reasonable rate going forward. They most certainly do. And speaking of quarterbacks, there was a very interesting quarterback development this past weekend in San Francisco, where at the end of the day, Jimmy Garoppolo was not traded or even released as the 49ers to the surprise of many decided to keep him this season on a rework contract that makes him the NFL's highest paid backup quarterback. The deal also includes a no tag clause, meaning he will be a free agent in 2023 and reactions to this were absolutely mixed. Some suggested this was a smart move by the 49ers because they have a Super Bowl caliber roster and they needed insurance against an injury to or poor performance by Trey Lance. But others suggested that this move could end up being detrimental to Trey Lance's long-term confidence, especially if he does get hurt and Garoppolo plays so well, making it hard for the Niners to give Lance the starting job back. So my question to you, Hal, is did the 49ers make the right decision to keep Jimmy G as the backup to Trey Lance? I think they did. I I'm on the side that says, you know, good deal for Garoppolo. He's not, go I mean, he's not being released now and teams with no salary cap room are trying to sign him to a minimal deal and no guarantees that he's going to be the starter. That's not a good situation for Jimmy right now. No doubt about it. The best situation for him would have been, you know, his shoulder not needing surgery and being traded at the draft, but that went out the window. So, 
for now, he's got to look at 2023. He's got the, the deal lined up to protect himself. He's a free agent. There's no franchise tags, none of that junk. He's walking away free. He's in a great situation because of the talent on that team. And again, I mean, other than San Francisco coming out and saying, look, we drafted the guy at number three last year. We're giving him the job. I didn't see anything from Trey Lance that made me want to play him over Jimmy Garoppolo based on his small sample last season and this preseason. So if I'm San Francisco, yeah, you're still in your Super Bowl window in your mind. You've got to protect yourself. And we don't know what is going to come out of Trey Lance this year. I don't think anybody can predict that. And, you know, an injury, a running quarterback, there's always the risk of injury. And, you know, Garoppolo is there's no one better suited to step in and keep that team's Super Bowl hopes alive. You definitely make a strong case there, Hal. And there is a strong case for the other side of the story as well. However, uh, the 49ers beat writers were absolutely um, clear that uh, Trey Lance was very happy to have Jimmy Garoppolo back in the quarterback room this year to use as a sounding board. And uh, I think uh, having Jimmy Garoppolo in that room might actually help Trey Lance. Do you think there's a case for that? Oh, I mean, definitely. If, you know, as long as he's willing to, to do that work, I mean, I mean, who's publicly said, no, I'm not going to help the other the quarterback other than what Joe Flacco Ryan Tannehill Ryan Tannehill <laughs> Ryan Tannehill that's right yes. <laughs> Tannehill is right but I mean really you know for the most part you know these it's a fraternity these guys know I mean he's Jimmy knows he's not staying in you know the rest of his career is going to be in San Francisco he's moving on next year you know it's in his best interest it only helps him you know if he's helping uh, around him becomes a better teammate. So I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. And certainly Trey Lance, I think, you know, he definitely needs that veteran uh, voice in his ear. And if Jimmy's willing to do it, then, you know, kudos to him. Great job. Um, yeah. So I think it can definitely help Trey Lance without a doubt. You couldn't have made a better case there, Hal. And now on to one of my least favorite subjects, pre-season injuries and arguably the biggest such injury was probably the one that occurred last week in Dallas as all pro left tackle Tyron Smith suffered an avulsion fracture of his knee which is the same injury that recently ended the season of Jets left tackle Mekhi Becton and that fracture caused his hamstring tendon which is located at the back of the knee to tear and whether or not Tyron Smith returns this season is completely up in the air, no matter what Jerry Jones tries to say. And if he does return, it will not be until December. Could this injury end up being the difference between the Cowboys winning the NFC East and the Eagles winning the NFC East? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, this was pretty even as far as I saw it, with the Eagles having made up ground on the Cowboys this season this off season. So the Eagles look to be trending up. Dallas seemed to be, you know, steady if trending down, trading away Amari Cooper, questions with that wide receiver group going into the season. And, you know, yeah, this could be the straw that, that breaks the Cowboys back. We've seen historically without Tyron Smith at left tackle, um, you know, that Dallas offense just does not function the same way. Running game, passing game, I mean, he is such a huge difference maker to that team. And, you know, 
it wasn't like they had a lot of depth to begin with anyways on the offensive line. That offense, I mean, people still think of Dallas's offensive line back in 2015, and it's gone nowhere but down over these years. Um, you know, it's just been chipped away at year after year. It's not the strength that it used to be uh, that people historically think of with the Cowboys in the offensive line. So yeah, Tyron Smith, that injury, that could be a backbreaker in Dallas, definitely. And not only that, Tyron Smith missed almost all of the 2020 season with an injury, and he will likely miss most of this season, if not all of this season, with an injury. Could it be possible that we have seen the final snap of Tyron Smith's uh, Hall of Fame career? You never know how these players are going to get back, and especially the closer they get to you know, that magic age of 30. You know, everybody looks at Tom Brady and says, well, you know, that's the unicorn right there, you know, <laughs> offensive lineman, you know, other than, you know, um, <laughs> maybe one, you know, offensive lineman Whitworth, I can think of, uh, they just don't last like that. You've got to be, it, it's a unicorn that you've got an offensive lineman in the 40 years old that's just chugging along and still playing at the top of his game. There's a lot of attrition and, you know, knees, ankles, shoulders, those things, those injuries pile up. And hey, these guys don't want to come back from that after a while. You've got to look at that too, as, as the players age and they look at that money in the bank account and they look at the grueling rehab ahead and go, is it worth it? You know, do I want to do this? And, you know, the money that's in the game for these stars makes it easier sometimes for them to walk away. So I wouldn't discount that at all, David. Sadly, I wouldn't discount that either, Hal. But now let's play our favorite game on this program, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this one works. I make a statement at you. Let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start with your New England Patriots. After their absolute clunker, and I mean clunker, against the Raiders' third-string defense in the preseason finale, it is almost time to be in panic mode about Mac Jones and the Patriots' offense. Oh, exaggeration. Exaggeration. Bill Belichick is the king of not showing anything in the preseason. Uh, you know, 20 years of watching the Patriots' preseason, Bill Belichick will not give an opponent anything he runs the most vanilla offense he runs the most vanilla defenses i remember multiple years the media freaking out here in boston saying oh my god belichick switched to a 4-3 defense in the preseason <laughs> and then he went back out and ran the same old 3-4 again all 16 games so you know don't believe anything that you see you know if you want to be concerned that josh mcdaniels is gone that's fine i think that Josh, Mc, I, I think the Patriots were well overdue for needing a refresher on that offense. There's 20 years of, you know, tailored to Tom Brady that's got to go out the window and you got to let Mac be Mac and, and do what Mac Jones wants to do. So I think if you're going to move forward, you're going to bring in some concepts that he ran in Alabama, incorporate some RPOs, let them take some deep shots down the field. I'm all for that. I think they need to evolve a little and I'm not going to freak out a little bit of evolution and poor results in a preseason game. If I went on preseason games, we'd be given Baltimore the damn Lombardi trophy every year. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, we got a simpatico alert. Our first started. simpatico right. alert of the season has been sounded. You and I are simpatico here about not freaking out about the Patriots' disastrous performance. Uh, they're starting off it's against the Raiders' uh, third straight defense in the preseason finale. I completely agree. Bill Belichick is a force that must never, ever, ever, ever be underestimated. And speaking of second-year quarterbacks, we go to Chicago and my other favorite team, the Bears. As uh, you know, although the regular season is an entirely different animal than the preseason, Bears fans should be very, and I mean very encouraged, by the progress Justin Fields has made as evidenced by a strong performance in the preseason finale against the Browns. Truth or exaggeration? Yes, I'm going to say truth. I mean, Justin Fields just needs, you know, a little protect, a little talent up front in front of him, a little talent out on the sides to catch the ball, and a lot of experience right now. And the more of that that he gets in the preseason, the joint practices, the offseason, desperately needed, he is trending in the right direction. I, You know, I'll tell you right now, Lawrence, Fields, Jones, all trending in the right direction. For me, the jury's still out. Wilson, Lance from that quarterback class. But I think there's three out of five that we can check off and say we got three legit quarterbacks out of that amazing quarterback class of, of 2021. So I, I've definitely now Fields trending in the right direction. I'm full on truth on that one. Yeah, he uh, might not be surrounded by the talent he was last year, but at least he doesn't have Matt Nagy calling the plays <laughs> anymore. <laughs> That's going to help too, exactly. Absolutely. Luke Getzey should be a tremendous upgrade over Matt Nagy in the long run. And moving on to Tennessee, where today, rising star Titans pass rusher Harold Landry tore his ACL in practice and is out for the season. And this leaves the strength of their team, their defensive line edge group, down a key member. And let's not forget the major hole they now have at wide receiver with A.J. Brown now in Philly. So, truth or exaggeration, the Tennessee Titans will finish in third place in the AFC South this season behind the Colts and the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, it sounds on, you know, at first glance, like that's a wild exaggeration, but I mean, that's a huge loss to the pass rush, no doubt about it. I mean, that's, you're just not going to plug someone in and replace the production that you got from Harold Landry last season. I mean, just simply not going to happen. I mean, basically was uh, their best uh, defensive player on that defensive line last year. Uh, just had a huge impact on that defense. It's a huge loss. Uh, did lose a young, talented player like that. And like you said, not everything's hunky-dory on the offense as well. Um, you know, Derrick Henry, I think, yeah, they're pretty much going to be a 500 team as long as you've got him getting the ball 20 times a game. But, uh, yeah, a lot of improvement in that division. And I certainly see, you know, if you just take a look at that entire division, Indianapolis, clearly should be the favorite in that division. I think Tennessee was a step behind them to begin with coming into this season and Houston and Jacksonville, uh, you know, again, teams with young quarterbacks trending upward in the right direction. And both of those teams, I don't think were as bad as their record was last year. Um, you know, I mean, Jacksonville just 
getting rid of the Urban Meyer headache is a huge step in the right direction for that franchise. And, you know, Houston was very competitive in some of those losses last year. So I think that's a team that, you know, really could have won six games last year, seven games pretty easily uh, with a couple of good breaks in their direction. So, so yeah, I mean, I could have talked myself into Tennessee finishing last here, David. I'm, I, I, we got to go truth here. I got to shut up before I do it. Oh, man. <laughs> You're going even further than I did. I uh, think it is extremely possible that the Titans finish third, but Mike Vrabel is such a damn good yeah. coach, and I do not want to sell him short. So that's where we uh, differ uh, there. And uh, speaking of good defenses, there may be a very special defense in a very peculiar place, dare I say. Green Bay, Wisconsin. So truth or exaggeration, the Packers will make a deep playoff run on the shoulders of a top three defense in nearly every key metric. And keep in mind, this defense is loaded at all three levels. Yeah, I mean, it, we saw that defense last year starting to trend in the in the right direction and, you know, had a few hiccups there at the end of the season. But the defense did not lose that game in the playoffs last year for Green Bay. That was the offense not being able to put points against another excellent defensive team that they just happened to be going up against in San Francisco. Um, you know, and, and like you said, I mean, that, that that depth chart on defense for Green Bay, this is. I, I have no problem saying this is the best defense that Aaron Rodgers has had. And for a guy that's had some terrible defenses behind him that have stymied their um, playoff runs over the years. I mean, this is looking at the year of, wow, you know, can the offense in green Bay keep up with the defense is the offense going to be the one that's holding them back with, you know, can they put together enough of uh, wide receivers there to make an impact leaning on these rookies and young players cast offs around the league here. Ooh, I don't know, you know, but defense, the defense isn't going to be a problem there in green Bay. I, I feel very confident in that. I, we saw the defense trending up into a top 10 defense last year. So, so, you know, yeah, I could see that as top five. If you want to say top three, no problem. I'll go with the truth on that, David. Oh, absolutely. Uh, look at what they have up front. Rashawn Gary is turning into an absolute monster off the edge. They got our man Kenny Clark still playing at a high level on the inside and a clone of Kenny Clark and rookie Devontae Wyatt. Uh, and uh, they got an athletic specimen in the middle of their defense that they've been lacking for so long in Quay Walker, a top five if not a top three corner in Jair Alexander and uh, easily a top five safety duo with uh, Adrian Amos and uh, Darnell Savage. And uh, Devondre Campbell too. Oh yeah. my God, speed yeah. for days in the middle of that defense. How <laughs> did I forget him? Yeah, exactly. You know, don't forget him or, you know, Preston Smith, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Dean Lowry, just, he's no slouch. Guy's just lying around on defense. <laughs> oh yeah, these guys too, you know, whoops. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're looking at that. The other cornerback, you got Eric Stokes, who was improving oh, he, throughout the year. You know, he was I great. Mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's hard to look at that defense and say, "Where's the weakness?" And you go, "I, I don't know." You know, yeah. third string defensive end, maybe. Yes. I don't. <laughs> the, yeah, the 2022 Green Bay Packers might turn out to be a better version 
than the 2015 Denver Broncos who won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so that is why uh, I am not counting the Packers out, even with that wide receiver situation. And speaking of Super Bowl contenders, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills for a moment. So truth or exaggeration, the porous and dare I say despicable way that the Bills handled the Manta Raisa situation will provide a rallying cry for their opponents all season long. Fans, we look at it and we say that's despicable, that franchise that I don't think the other teams really are going to um, get up in arms about that, David. They're they're looking at Buffalo and they're thinking, oh, geez, this off, we're going to stop Josh Allen. That's all they're thinking about, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else going through their minds. So, yes, as despicable as that situation was, as, you know, a a culture with Sean McDermott and, you know, Brandon Bean that they've built and done such an amazing job these last few years of being the shining light in the NFL of how to do everything right for them to trip up over a freaking punter. Like just cut the idiot. <laughs> what are you do your homework before the draft? You know, we, we all sat here at the draft going, why is everybody picking punters over this guy in the draft? You know, like, why are we even talking about punters in the draft? Okay. But second of all, you know, the so-called punt God having two other punters draft ahead of him, there might be a red flag there. So, you know, investigate that. You're smarter than that Buffalo. Come on. And then, you know, just sticking their head in the sand and, I mean, despicable, you said it was the right word, the whole situation. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, are the rest of us around the league gonna, you know, there's a little less shine on that McDermott-Bean combo there? Definitely. But uh, as far as the rest of the, the players in the rest of the league, exaggeration, uh, they're just shaking in their boots looking at Josh Allen going, I've got to figure out something to stop this guy. Absolutely. And speaking of Josh Allen, he and his Bills open up the regular season one week from tonight against the defending champion Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium. I don't think the NFL could have picked a better game to kick off this exciting season with. Could they have? Oh, not not at all. The It should have been the Super Bowl game, right? Poor Buffalo. Oh, my God. But, yeah, yeah, that, that should have been the Super Bowl right there. Um, great game, though, to kick off the season. I mean, just the, the best team out west against probably the best team. I mean, the best team on the East Coast. So, yeah, let's uh, – you, you can't find a better game week one to kick off the NFL season. Perfect. Absolutely perfect indeed, Hal. And let's break down this game, starting with the Bills. The biggest concern for Buffalo in this game is the absence of their all-pro cornerback, Tredavious White, who is beginning the season on the reserve PUP list as he has not quite completed his recovery from the ACL tear he suffered last November. Thus, the Bills will have to face Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson with a relatively thin and unproven group of corners. But... If there is a saving grace in the Buffalo secondary as it's currently constructed, it's their two elite safeties in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, easily the best safety duo in the entire National Football League, in my humble opinion. How much can that special safety duo help mask the Bills' current deficiencies at corner, especially on that boundary? Yeah, I mean, the safeties can 
only to an effect, you know, I mean, there, there's only so much that they're going to do. And, you know, they're going to have their hands filled, um, you know, trying to, to handle, you know, the Tyler Higbees of the world as well, that the Rams are rolling up there that is going to get a lot of attention from the safeties um, as well. And, and, you know, we, we might see some Tremaine Edmonds there as well. They're going to have, they've got their own work to do. It's really going to come down to, um, you know, that pass rush. It's going to be Von Miller and Ed Oliver that are going to make that, that difference. If, you know, like they talk about the pass rush and the coverage have to be going together in concert and lined up perfectly together. That's what Buffalo is going to have to lean on uh, with that cornerback situation because, um, you know, Kiara Elam, good looking rookie, but it's his first NFL game. The other side, Jane Jackson's been pretty much a backup is most of his careers. So uh, solid, but nobody is confusing him as a number one corner cornerback right now so for buffalo the safeties can only do so much they're going to have their hands full uh you know with with higby with uh trying to help out and take away cooper cup because that is a huge responsibility right there so yeah i mean it that's going to come down to the pass rush is what it's going to do and the pass rush is going to have to get um you know matthew stafford uncomfortable and off his spot to protect those cornerbacks early in the season for buffalo they most certainly are and you forgot gregory rousseau who flashed some brilliant tape last season he's going to have to evolve in his game in order for the bills to maintain that uh, Super Bowl favorite status throughout this season. I completely, completely agree. And this game also features two of the game's top six wide receivers in Cooper Cup, who we just mentioned, and Stephon Diggs. However, they each have a running mate that I think will really, really shine. We obviously just mentioned Allen Robinson, but Gabriel Davis, he who caught four touchdowns in that epic playoff thriller at Kansas City, could be just as potent this season as A-Rob. Is it fair to expect big games out of both on Thursday night? Because keep in mind, the Bills are missing corners and the Rams have Jalen Ramsey and a bunch of other guys. And I assume they're going to put Ramsey on digs and that could uh, give Gabriel Davis a lot of room to just eat. Yeah, I mean, Gabriel Davis, I mean, basically coming out party last year, um, you know, actually, you know, the whole second half of the season, he really started emerging and, and got really comfortable in that offense. And you saw that connection with Josh Allen uh, really grow for him as that, you know, number two receiver. So, yeah, I mean, for, for Buffalo, you know, you got to keep your, uh, got to keep your eyes there on, on him. And, you know, as well, you're going to be looking at another receiver. I think that's, it's kind of, flying under the radar so far but Isaiah McKenzie remember they walked away from Cole Beasley there so um you know the mighty might Isaiah McKenzie who the muscle you know, hamster the, the muscle, real muscle hamster, hamster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean very interesting weapons but again you know very young players too you know unproven and you know really getting a chance to shine here and those guys could be huge different difference makers uh you know for buffalo as well because like you said yeah a lot of attention and for good reason on stefan diggs because he's established himself we saw it throughout last year what a weapon that man could be yeah just to reiterate my point 
the Rams secondary is essentially Jalen Ramsey and a bunch of Jags, dare I say. Yeah, so uh, Ramsey is going to be preoccupied with Diggs all night long, and the rest of the guys we could expect to absolutely feast, and that includes Gabriel Davis uh, next Thursday night. Yes, exactly. Very good point. That's, uh, you know, the, the continuing tradition of the L.A. Rams to build that defense around the superstars and just plug anybody else we find here. Uh, free agency, trades, late round draft picks, shove them in there and we'll make it work. So very interesting test for that defense going up against Buffalo. Uh, you know, and like we said, both sides of the ball, it's, you know, we could be, we could be looking at a track meet here on Thursday night. That could be a, <laughs> You know, bet the over, bet the <laughs> over. <laughs> Betting the over could very well be a safe bet when it comes to this Bills Rams season opener, Hal. And let's talk about some more key matchups in this game. We mentioned uh, Stefan Diggs gets Jalen Ramsey, but I am very fascinated to see how the Bills utilize Von Miller on that edge because after Andrew Whitworth, the Rams have an uncertain situation to tackle, especially when it comes to pass protection. Rob Havenstein is a grizzled vet at right tackle, but he's more of a run blocker. He's not the best pass protector out there. And uh, Joe Nopum at left tackle is an unproven entity there. So I can see them uh, putting Vaughn on either of those guys throughout the night. Definitely move him around, find that matchup, pick where you want him to attack that offensive line. Definitely, uh, definitely something we have to see. And for like we talked about with Buffalo, that pass rush is under the microscope because they've invested a lot into that position to try to get some results. And I mean, if you, you can't go out and get anybody better than Vaughn Miller on the <laughs> market these days. So uh, they better get those results. And, and for me, you know, I, again, we can flip this the other way as well and say, hey, for, you know, the Rams, they got AD number 99 yeah, sitting the, right there saying, the you know, man, come on, try to block them. Let's see what you can do here, guys. So <laughs> putting a lot of pressure on that interior offensive line of the Bills, which, uh, you know, their offensive line has done very well. And it's in conjunction with the quarterback. Let's face it. Josh Allen can make an offensive line look really good. If there's a breakdown and he runs the ball outside for 27 yards, you know, and you're going, Hey, this offense is great, but yeah, going to put a lot of pressure on Mitch Morse and the boys in the middle there for Buffalo. That's another intriguing matchup. I'm looking forward to seeing. Definitely. Aaron Donald may be the goat, as I just said, in terms of defensive players, especially in the post Lawrence Taylor era, but he still needs help, and the Rams lost two vital defensive pieces in the offseason, one obviously being Von Miller, the other being Sebastian Joseph Day, one of the most underrated run defenders in this NFL, and we will talk about Sebastian Joseph Day in our next matchup preview, but Leonard Floyd, my eyes are on you, Leonard Floyd. You're going to have to step up and get a lot of pressure on Josh Shell, or else it could be a long night for the Rams defensively. Aaron yeah. Dow can't do it by himself. He can't do it by himself. And, you know, you don't want to get in a situation where you've got Bobby Wagner trying to run down Josh Allen. That's not a good, good look. So those guys have got to not only pressure, but, you know, um, get him off his, you know, get him throwing the ball earlier than he wants to or taking him down because you can't be letting him loose. 
You cannot at all. Josh Allen, a multifaceted weapon at quarterback. He just might be considered the best quarterback in football by this season's end. And uh, let's pick this season opener with the Bills and the Rams. Who do you have winning? I mean, it's coming down to a, a coin flip here. Um, I'm just going to say, you know, at this point, I think the cornerback for the Bills is just enough of an Achilles heel, especially in week one. You know, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, who looks reborn this preseason. Um, and let's not forget Van Jefferson, um, you know, Tyler Higby, so many weapons. Cam Akers healthy again. I think the Rams have just got a little bit too much. I'm going to take them. And this is lower because, you know, I still believe in both of these defenses, but this, you could add an extra 21 points to both of these scores, but I'm going to say 27, 24 Rams over the bills. I am actually going to go with the Buffalo bills as troublesome as the bills cornerback situation is the uncertainties on that Rams offensive line with the retirement of uh, Andrew Whitworth and uh, the departure of Austin Corbett in free agency are equally as troublesome. And those are matchups that Von Miller, Ed Oliver, and Greg Rousseau should be able to feast on all night long and win more than their fair share of the battles. And I am going with the Bills in a high-scoring, hard-fought game, 34-31. to 31. And you mentioned the AFC West at the top of the broadcast, tale, and for good reason. This just might be the most talented division we're ever going to see in our lives. And the AFC West battle kicks off at week one at SoFi Stadium with a battle between the Raiders and the Chargers. And kind of like the Bills and Tredavious White, the Chargers may be without their star corner, J.C. Jackson, in this game as he's recovering from minor ankle surgery. However, the Chargers, in my humble opinion, boast the best pass rush duo in the game. No offense to Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the Raiders with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. And they will be going up against a Raiders offensive line that at least on paper looks absolutely atrocious right now. Oh. While the Raiders have perhaps the most dangerous receiving threesome in the entire NFL with Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro, it won't matter if that O-line can't hold up. Do you anticipate Josh McDaniels going with a strictly horizontal passing game against the Chargers in order to overcome that massive mismatch up front? Yeah, I, I don't know what other option he has. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, that, that offensive line, and you think back to just a couple of years ago with that offensive line John Gruden had built with all those big veterans there in the middle, Gabe Jacksons and everybody. They Oh, that was a beast moving people all over the place. <laughs> And oh, how the mighty have fallen as far as that offensive line goes. So, so yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, Josh McDaniels, hey, he's, he's got the resume to say, you know, I've done it horizontally. I've got the Super Bowl rings on my hands to, to prove it to you. So um, if anybody's going to be able to do that, I'm going to have to say that's him. But, but yeah, he's got his work cut out for him because like you said, that's two elite pass rushers there uh, for the Chargers nowadays. And uh, that's just scary. The Chargers have an absolutely scary defense indeed, but they have an equally as scary, if not more scary offense. Much has been said about the Raiders weapons of the passing game and rightfully so, but we cannot ignore what Justin Herbert has to work with either. He has the best pure route runner in the game in Keenan Allen, 
a rising star on the other side in Mike Williams, and another weapon that folks inside the Chargers building are expecting to absolutely break out this season. And I mean break out second-year receiver Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. And Josh Palmer demonstrated his immense talent in the second preseason game against the Cowboys with that beautiful uh, over-the-shoulder 50-50 ball catch and that run-after catch for a touchdown. If Josh Palmer becomes that viable third option in Justin Herbert's arsenal, will the Chargers' offense be nearly unstoppable this season? Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert getting, you know, more toys and more talent on offense, it just seems unfair. Like, no, you're not supposed to be able to do this here. This is not supposed to happen this way in the NFL. But, but yeah, I mean, Josh Palmer, you know, he showed those flashes. Um, you know, I thought third round, I didn't understand the tumble for Palmer. Uh, a lot of draft boards I saw had him, you know, as a, early second round pick. So getting him there was a steal. Uh, they're so strong up front on that offensive line as well for the chargers. They've got the protection. They've got the receivers. You got Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield as well. You've got more than serviceable tight end and Gerald Everett. I mean, there's just plethora of weapons there for Justin Herbert, who's disgustingly talented with throwing the football yes. I mean, there's no other way to put it you know i mean you just watch it you go that guy's nasty you know and uh totally you know again I, I i just sit here to this day and go tua you pick tua over here come on you know how, how does that happen so so yeah so it just you know the the mental processing is you know justin herbert i think is what you know, you knew the arm was there, the smarts, the quarterback smarts, the ability to pick up the offense, the ability to break down the defense. That's what separates the, the good quarterbacks from the great quarterbacks. And, you know, I think that's where Justin Herbert's really grown. And, and with these kind of weapons, it's, you know, he's playing chess out there and the defense is playing checkers. He's, you know, just has too many options. And, uh, you know, as long as he doesn't freeze up with three guys open and trying to decide which one to throw to, I don't know when, you know, how you're going to slow down that offense very easily. Me neither. And let's talk about some of the key matchups in this game. You mentioned that Chargers offensive line. And if the Raiders are going to have any chance at winning this game, they are going to need Big games from Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. It's going to be fascinating to see either one of them on our man, Rashawn Slater, who could have been the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year last year, for all we know, if it weren't for Jamar Chase. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, Slater, you know, brick wall over there. And he's certainly going to get tested because, you know, you've got that veteran presence in Chandler Jones. You've got Max Crosby coming on the other side. You know, so much talent there. Uh, that the Raiders are able to throw at teams with that pass rush. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to be their their biggest hope is, is you know, the pass rush is going to have to help that secondary. And it's not like the Raiders have a terrible secondary. They've got some, you know, talented players back there, mix of some veterans and some young players. But it's, you know, you know, there's no Jalen Ramsey back there either. Let's be clear. And that pass rush is going to be counted on to make a big difference in the game. And they're going to have to, you know, just, you know, that old, the only thing that you can do against uh, that kind of quarterback is make them uncomfortable and um, that their work's cut out for them. But 
two great pass rushers, those guys can take over a game. We've seen it plenty of times against great quarterbacks. So uh, that's the Raiders hopes here is get that pass rush going, help that secondary and uh, see if you can, you know, a lucky tip, a lucky bounce, turn this game around and uh, that's their way to win. For the record, I do like Nate Hobbs. He's becoming a top yes. 10 to 15 corner in this league. But uh, outside of him on that cornerback depth chart, it is an absolute mess. And uh, safeties, uh, I think Trayvon Mayer is going to become a very good player, but uh, I'm not necessarily convinced he's going to become a star. But this Raiders secondary is more of a concern than not. So just uh, my take on that right there. And uh, let's flip sides of the ball for a moment. Uh, Darren Waller returned to practice yesterday, and uh, he is feeling fine, according to Josh McDaniels. But uh, he's going to have his work cut out for him because I have a feeling Brandon Staley is going to put Derwin James on him a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, that just makes too much sense not to, you know, got to do that. So um, just a weapon. I mean, Derwin James shut down weapon. You're going in an elite receiving tight end. Put your best on their best. Makes too much sense. Definitely. And now let's uh, pick this game and I will go first to have that Zapotico alert ready just in case, my friend. All right. I think just like that Thursday night game at SoFi Stadium between the Bills and the Rams, we're looking at a high scoring game here between the Raiders and the Chargers. But I am going to go with the Chargers because uh, that Raiders secondary is just so questionable right now. And if uh, Crosby and Jones cannot uh, dominate on Sunday. I don't think the Raiders have that much of a shot. They're going to put a lot of p- points on the board. Don't get me wrong, but uh, the Chargers, they're easily the most balanced team, at least on paper in the AFC West right now. And that's saying a lot. I am going with the Chargers 34 to 24. Uh, you know what I'm going to say about the Chargers, David, you, you know, I've been, <laughs> I've been saying it forever, right? You know, like <laughs> until they prove me wrong, this team just keeps, I don't know what it is, you know, change up the uniform. I don't know what's going to happen out there. They've moved. They've, you know, doesn't make change coaches, uh, you know, insane talent, both sides of the ball. And yet somehow they can, continuously find a way to shoot themselves in the foot over and over again you know until they prove me wrong I'm going to expect you know something strange to happen a fumbled punt late in the game or something and somehow Vegas pulls out the win 30 to 28 over the Chargers that is a very fair prediction, Al. And now let's analyze the Sunday night football game to open the year. Tom Brady and the Bucks traveling to Big D to take on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. And let's stick with the Cowboys for a moment. We mentioned the devastating injury to Tyron Smith earlier. And yesterday it was reported by Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys for ESPN, that the Cowboys plan to bring in future Hall of Fame offensive tackle Jason Peters for a visit. Jason Peters may be 40 years old, but he still had a pretty efficient campaign with the Bears last year. Do you think it would be best if the Cowboys signed Peters and keep rookie Tyler Smith inside at guard for now? Keep in mind, they're going up against a rock-solid Bucks uh, front uh, on Sunday night, and uh, Tyler Smith still has some uh, technique issues that would probably benefit him to work on from the inside. Yeah, I... I, I agree completely with that. Um, you know, keep Smith on, uh, on the inside, let him grow into that role at guard. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to put him out there in the first game if they don't think that he's ready in any way. And clearly 
They weren't counting on him to be the left tackle this year. They weren't planning on it. Uh, I think that's just asking too much. You know, if you can get the veteran in there, get him up and ready to play. Like you said, he did not embarrass himself. Uh, as I earlier mentioned, there aren't many uh, offensive linemen that perform well at that age, but he certainly, you know, did the job last year. Uh, no doubt about it. Did that the years before that in his upper thirties for Philadelphia more than held his own. So if you can get Peters in there, definitely. And, and, and like you said as well, with that Tampa Bay uh, defense there, you want your five best out there because that defensive line is a handful, you know, no Sue. And they just plug in a keen Hicks. Like, you know, that's <laughs> like, I don't see the drop off happening. Yeah. This, you know, uh, definitely something that you want your five best out there because Tampa Bay, they've proven it. They're coming at you. No doubt about it. They're coming from every direction, you know, what, Whatever your weak spot on the offensive line, they're going to attack it. They've got the bodies and the talent to go after you. So, yeah, for Dallas, give your five best out there. Don't worry about, you know, well, I've got to move him out to left tackle, even though he's a rookie. No, no. Get your five best. If he's best at guard, leave him at guard and go with that because that's what you're going to have to do against this defense. I completely agree, and we'll talk more about those uh, bodies on the Bucks' defensive front in just a minute. But let's talk about the Bucks' offensive line. And the Bucks' offensive line has serious issues as well, especially on the interior. Their star guard, Ali Marpet, retired this offseason. Their star center, Ryan Jensen, out indefinitely, perhaps for the rest of the season with a knee injury. And uh, Ali Marpet's replacement, Aaron Stinney, suffered a season-ending torn ACL and MCL in the preseason game against the Titans. And if Tom Brady, the GOAT, has any kryptonite, it's pressure up the middle, as I'm sure you know very well from his days in New England, Hale. We all know how quickly Tom Brady gets rid of that football, but we must also note that the shortest route to the quarterback is from the interior of the defensive line. How worried should Bucks fans and Brady fantasy owners be about this Tampa O-line? Oh, I mean, they should be very concerned about that. You know, I mean, big turnover at the guard position. We know how much the center position that Brady values that comfort. And now he's going to go with Robert Hainsey there instead. So uh, that's a big, big comfort issue to begin with there. Um, you know, Shaq Mason, they got from new England, great run blocker has had some issues with pass protection in the past as well. That middle of that offensive line is a weak spot. And that is, the Brady kryptonite, as you said. So, yes, fantasy owners of Brady, um, you know, or any Tampa Bucks Bay fans. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a huge concern there. You've got to keep the pass rush off of Brady. You can't have it in his face. And right now, that looks like the big bullseye uh, that they're going to be looking at in the big D on how to get to Brady. Oh, absolutely. And let's talk about some of those key matchups in this Sunday night football contest in Big D. We talked about the Bucks defensive front. Not only do they bring in Akeem Hicks, who, by the way, has reportedly looked rejuvenated and refreshed like he found the fountain of youth in training camp. They also got 
Vita Veo, arguably the best nose tackle in the game, and promising rookie Logan Hall from Houston with that inside-outside versatility. He could be a handful on Sunday night, even though he's a rookie. So Zach Martin and Tyler Biotish and that uh, Cowboys interior of Live, which will most likely include Tyler Smith, assuming that uh, they do sign Jason Peters. Um, you're going to have your hands full with those guys. That's all there is to it. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, certainly – not a weak pass rush from the outside either for Jack him. Barrett, man, my <laughs> Jack man. Jack Barrett, you know, Jack Barrett. You got uh, last year's first round draft pick, Joe Tryon Shoyinka there as well. So, you know, you've got some talent coming there. I mean, granted, that's more of the strength, but you know, that's still a, a tough, uh, a tough matchup across the board. That pass rush is going to be coming and coming hard. It most certainly is. And uh, speaking of pass rush, the Cowboys have a pass rush that's going to be coming hard at Tom Brady, especially given those deficiencies on the interior offensive line. But I am looking at the edge talent for the Cowboys. And uh, Micah Parsons, he is positionless. He is a chess piece. Move him all over. He could do a lot of damage. But he showed last year that he is even more damaging coming off the edge than he is in space as a linebacker. And I fully expect Dan Quinn to put him on Donovan Smith, who is the weakest of the Bucks' two tackles, very often on Sunday night, wouldn't you? Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. I think you're going to see, I think chess piece is the perfect description for Micah Parsons. Uh, put him in position to make an impact. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter how, run game, pass game, you know, you want him in a position to make a play, to make an impact. And that's going to be a big part of for Dallas's defense is, you know, get that pass rush going. Uh, like you said, Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence is still there, you know, uh, some definite talent there on Dallas to be able to go after that quarterback. Also, do not forget their promising rookie, Sam Williams. Yeah. flashed a lot during the preseason, including an atrocious rubbing the passer call at a game I went to here in Denver. And uh, Sam Williams, uh, he fell in the draft due to a criminal history of like a domestic violence assault charge that was dropped. But this guy was one of the most bona fide pass rushers at this year's uh, exceptionally deep uh, crop of uh, pass rushers in the draft. And uh, he... Uh, would have been a top 20 pick had it not been for that criminal charge. That's all there is to it. And uh, we could see him get a, a fair share of looks at Tristan Wirfs. And if he could uh, win at least one uh, battle against Tristan Wirfs, uh, the Cowboys are going to be very happy about that. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So yeah, um, you know, two teams, good pass rush, uh, you know, questions on the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, this, this could be a game that's, swings on you know who makes that big play who hits the quarterback's arm causes the fumble interception whatever uh it could just be one play that's going to switch this whole game and it's going to come down to who's winning those matchups up front in the trenches yet again despite all the talent that both these teams have with all these playmakers games won down in the trenches it most certainly is that keep in mind uh, the cowboys no longer have amari cooper and uh, Michael Gallup, even though he wasn't put on the uh, PUP list, he's still only seven months removed from uh, ACL surgery. And uh, we cannot expect him to be full strength on Sunday night, even if he does play, should we? No, we shouldn't. I'm putting a lot of pressure on C.D. Lamb uh, and for Dalton Schultz, the tight end, you know, for Dallas, a great weapon there. But for Tampa Bay, you just look at him and you say, 
well, they got Devin White and Levante David, you know, good luck yeah. trying to get your tight end involved here. Oh, absolutely. And just look at the Bucs as well. Uh, outside of Mike Evans, they have concerns too. Chris Godwin is still yet to shed his uh, non-contact jersey, and there's a chance he might not be ready for week one. And uh, Russell Gage, their prized free agent acquisition in terms of weapons, uh, he hasn't practiced since early August. He's still up in the air for week one. And so who, who does that leave? Julio Jones, who looked absolutely washed last year. I mean, both of these teams might be looking at a shortage of weapons outside. It could very well be a defensive battle for all we know. And who do you have winning in Big D between the Bucks and the Cowboys? You know, I, I live by one rule in my life, David, and it's don't bet against Tom Brady. So <laughs> I'm going to say somehow, you know, a little lower scoring than people might expect for this game, but uh, Tampa Bay, We'll make that one play. I think the defense has a little bit of an edge um, and force Dak into an error. Zeke with a fumble. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be one big play that turns it for Tampa Bay. 24-22 bucks over the Cowboys. That's the simpatico alert again. We are in agreement here. I was kind of leaning towards the Cowboys there for a split second until you brought up the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not bet against Tom Brady. And even though he's 45 years old, I am not betting against him now, nor ever. I think uh, he is going to do just enough to eke out a hard-fought victory. Will be a close, ugly, relatively low-scoring game, uh, given the uh, injury issues both teams have at the skill positions and on the offensive line. But that Tyron Smith injury, I think, is going to prove absolutely catastrophic. And that Bucks defensive line is just going to overwhelm that uh, Cowboys offensive line, which is quickly become a liability right uh, before our very eyes and force stack into a costly mistake or two. I like the bucks of this game, 23 to 20. And now let's pick the rest of these week one games. Have that sepulchral alert ready. Just in case my friend, we start off with the 49ers against my Chicago bears. I am still very high on Justin Fields. Don't get me wrong, but the bears are currently operating with an unproven roster. This is a rebuild year for them. The 49ers our Super Bowl or bust once again. Uh, the Bears might keep it close for a while, but I think the 49ers pull away in the end, 31 to 14. Yeah, I, it might be a little bit closer. I always want to factor in some of that week one weirdness that goes on in the NFL every year. I don't think there's any season that, you know, you don't see some bizarre, you know, <laughs> game nobody saw coming out of left field and you go how did this team win the game and then they win four games the rest of the season you go all right week one it was a blip nothing to worry about um want to give it to chicago i love justin fields i you know as long as trey lance isn't throwing four interceptions <laughs> i i think san francisco with that defense is gonna have enough to do it to do so so maybe he throws three and it's close 20 to 13 san francisco over chicago the loaded, and I mean loaded, Philadelphia Eagles travel to Motown to take on the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell, who I am very, very high on long-term. I think the Lions are going to win six or seven games this year. I really, really do. A year or two of Dan Campbell, they're only going to get better. With Aiden Hutchinson now rushing the passion for that, they're going to be much improved in that area. But they're still ironing out the kinks while the Eagles are loaded and ready for a playoff run, if not a Super Bowl run, if Jalen Hurts can take a sizable step forward in his development. It's going to be a lot closer than it was last year. The Lions are going to keep it close for three quarters, but uh, in the end, the Eagles being dominant on both 
offense and defense in terms of the line of scrimmage. Uh, the Lions have a great offensive line, but the Eagles have a great offensive line and a great defensive line. I think that proves the difference late in the game. Eagles 27, Lions 17. Yeah, and again, I, I think this one, I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit closer just because of my rule for week one of weird things seem to happen, but the talent on Philadelphia, both sides of the ball, rebuilding that defensive line, weapons on offense galore now, Jalen Hurts, ascending quarterback in the NFL, might be having a huge breakout season for him this year. Uh, so, I mean, I'm going to give Philadelphia the win, but, you know, Anybody that's watched Hard Knocks this summer, you can't help but fall in love with this Lions team. I'm going to be rooting for the Lions all season long, but my heart wants Detroit to win. My brain is saying, nah, it's still going to be the Eagles, but I'll make it a lot closer. 24-20 Eagles over the Lions. I'm with you there. My heart is definitely rooting for the Lions. And uh, heck, if the Lions uh, pull off the upset, let's see Billy Jean open up the show next yeah, week. All right. <laughs> I'm all for that. All uh, right. Absolutely. And the Cincinnati Bengals, the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals host Mitchell Trubisky and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And last year, the Bengals own, I mean, absolutely own the Steelers. It is tempting to want to pick the Bengals to absolutely crush the Steelers. But if the 11th commandment is thou shalt not bet against Tom Brady and the 12th commandment is thou shalt not bet against Bill Belichick. The 13th commandment is thou shalt not bet against Mike Tomlin. Tomlin. Exactly. Mike Tomlin is going to have his guys ready to go. They are going to put up a fight. It is going to be a very close game in the end, but unfortunately the improved Bengals offensive line and the quarterback disparity between Joe Burrow and Mitch Trubisky is going to be just enough. The Bengals are going to win, but it's going to be very close and relatively low scoring 20 to 16. You know, I'm going to go overboard on this one, David. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm with the Steelers on this one. The, the, the Super Bowl hangover, the, super, the loss, the extra games, young teams not pl planning to play that long into February, not expected. It's a real thing in the NFL. You know, the Cincinnati's coming out. We made it to the Super Bowl last year. All we got to do is roll our helmets out on the other onto the field and the other team's going to run away scared. It's not going to happen. I think this week it's uh you know the Super Bowl hangover is going to happen. The Steelers, there's definitely talent on both sides of the ball there. This is not a bad team. And hey, let's face it, you know, in the AFC North, we know they hate each other. So the Steelers <laughs> are ready to play. I think that Mike Tomlin's going to have just enough to get out of this team. I've got Pittsburgh winning it 23 to 20. How is that going to happen? Well, that's going to be in the bold prediction there. So partially staying in the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens travel to East Rutherford to take out the New York Jets, a team that is quietly being built in the image of the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Douglas, formerly of the Ravens scouting staff under Ozzie Newsom, building a team that is strong up front, especially that defensive line. My goodness, the Jets could have the deepest pass rush in the NFL this year. Quinn and Williams on the inside. Sheldon Rankins on the inside. 
Carl Lawson on the edge. Rookie Jermaine Johnson on the edge. John Franklin Myers, a criminally underrated player on the edge. And Sauce Gardner locking down the boundary. This Jets defense could be tough. And I think they're going to put up a fight against the Ravens. I really do. I really think this Jets defense is going to come ready to play and make life as difficult as possible for Lamar Jackson. But unfortunately, I do not trust Joe Flacco. I just do not. Throws a catchable ball. Well, most of the time, it's to the other team, <laughs> I say. And the Ravens have their uh, secondary back, along with the additions of Marcus Williams and rookie Kyle Hamilton. They are going to force a lot of turnovers, setting up a lot of short fields, which proved to be the difference in this game. I like the Ravens 21 to 9. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The Jets are insanely talented with young players who can make a huge impact at pretty much every position except quarterback and you know <laughs> and the, the, there's the the glaring weakness uh, you know joe flacco not elite now was not elite other than you know we'll say one year in the playoffs uh you know mike white had his one game standout there's a reason he's third string there uh that was that one game against the bengals that was all the magic he had and I'm sorry, but Zach Wilson was probably the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. And, you know, when your t- when Joe Flacco looks like an upgrade, uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm not buying the hype on Wilson. <laughs> sorry, not buying it. There's a bust in every draft for the quarterbacks. I, I hate to say it, Jets, but with that talent, go find somebody else. There's got to be somebody better. But, yeah, I think that's just enough to hamstring them here. And, you know, uh, come on, Lamar playing for that contract, get out of the way, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. look out. you yeah. know, you want to see, there's a reason the man was the MVP. And I think he's going to show everybody this year. I'm healthy. This is an MVP year. I think Baltimore takes it pretty easily 30 to 17 over the Jets. Your New England Patriots traveled to Miami to take on the Dolphins in an AFC East grudge match, this is going to be wild, man. It's going to be such a, a fascinating game to watch. I really like what the Dolphins have built as far as their roster concerns. They have a cache of weapons, if not the fastest wide receiver duo in the NFL with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, although Jalen Waddle's dealing with a uh, soft tissue issue right now. And they upgraded that offensive line tremendously with the Toronto Armstead and that defense. Uh, kind of like the Jets, they got a variety of bodies they can send at you in the pass rush and a exceptionally deep and talented secondary. Uh, they don't have Byron Jones for the first four games, season, but they still have Xavier Howard and Javon Holland, who emerged as an underrated stud last year. He is going to explode onto the scene and become a household name this year. You just watch that uh, Dolphins defense. But a lot of people are going to be betting against the Patriots because of how they looked at the preseason. I am not going to make that mistake. This is going to be a close, hard-fought game, relatively low scoring. But I think Mac Jones is still better than Tua Tungaboyloa, and that is the difference in this relatively evenly matched game. Patriots, 16. Dolphins, 13. I like it, David. You know what? Look, sound the simpatico alert. <laughs> <laughs> Miami's the house of horrors for the, for Bill Belichick, no doubt about it. There's no worse place for the Patriots to play. I don't, you know, you can tell the league hates the Patriots and Belichick because they schedule them every year in the September heat of Miami to go down there. But you know, I they're they're mixing it up this year. They they went out in the desert to uh, practice with Las Vegas to get used to the heat. They're down in Miami early 
earlier than they normally would be to start the season. So they're, they're getting acclimated. I'm going to say as much as I, you know, ugh, hate picking the Patriots in Miami, I don't care if Brady's back at quarterback and they have all those weapons. It's the house of horror. Yeah. I, I think the Mac versus Tua, the, that's just too much of an advantage at the most important position for New England. I'll take your score. I'll steal it. 16 to 13. Make it a perfect simpatico. Yeah. <laughs> and from an AFC East grudge match to an AFC South grudge match, as Matt Ryan and the Colts travel to H-Town to take on Davis Mills and the Houston Texans. And now I don't think the Texans are necessarily going to win a lot of games this year. I still think they're uh, two roster deficient in many, many areas. Uh, offensive line, um, secondary outside of D- rookies, Derek Stingley Jr. and Jalen Petrie. Uh, pass rush uh, remains a very big question. Uh, weapons outside of uh, Brandon Cooks. Uh, Texans still got a lot of work to do, but I expect Lovey Smith, the company, to put up a fight in this game, and it's going to be a hard-fought game uh, going into the fourth quarter, but Jonathan Taylor just proves to be too much of that young Texans defense. They just wear them down all game long. Uh, it's going to be relatively close throughout most of the game, but the Colts pull away in the end, 27-13. Yeah, and I mean, the, the Colts, the continuing quest for the quarterback here that's been going on the la- you know for the last five years basically it's matt ryan's turn to take a swing at it um you know i mean who knows you know we could see nick Foles stepping in and leading him to the super bowl uh stranger things have certainly happened in the nfl right why not um but yeah i indy indianapolis much more talented like you said i think houston is much improved this year they're trending in the right direction but Indianapolis is the class of that division. They'll show it. I've got it 27 to 17, the Colts over Houston. Harshly stay in the AFC South. Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and the Jaguars travel to our nation's capital to take out the Washington Commanders. And the Commanders may be favored by three points, but in that context, this is my upset special of the week. I just do not like Carson Wentz. He is an absolute liability. And the Washington defense is without Chase Young. And do you trust a Jack Del Rio defense without its best pass rusher to hold up in pass coverage? No, you don't. Jack Del Rio gets uh, he is just the worst defensive coordinator when it comes to coverages. If he like went into Baskin Robbins and chose one of 31 flavors every time for his coverages, it would be vanilla all the time. He is the absolute worst. Trevor Lawrence and his improved cashier weapons will be able to take advantage of that. And uh, I don't think the game is even going to be close because I think uh, Trayvon Walker and uh, Josh Allen, Dewan Smoot, and that uh, Jaguars defensive front, they're going to be in Carson Wentz's face all day long. That is all there is to it. I think the Jaguars have a pretty easy win ahead of them. Jaguars 28, Commanders 10. Uh, yeah, I, I've got it a little bit closer. Um, I've got it 24 to 20, but I do have the Jaguars taking it as well. You know, they need like an exorcism or something in Washington. There is just bad juju with that team. Get Dan Snyder out of there. Um, you know, I don't know. Bring in anybody. Priests, rabbis, <laughs> you know, medicine men. I don't care. <laughs> Bring them all in. Clear the air out there in Washington. Blow that up and start over. Um, you know, 
Carson Wentz couldn't win with all that talent in Indianapolis. He ain't going to do it in Washington. I'm sorry. So, yeah, yeah I, definitely Jacksonville, another team trending in the right direction, loaded with talent, real deal at quarterback. Big breakout year for Trevor Lawrence. We're going to see that this year. So 24-20, Jacksonville over Washington. The NFC South has a grudge match on Sunday in Atlanta with the Saints uh, going to face the Falcons. And uh, we mentioned the Bears and Texans being potentially the worst rosters in the league. The Falcons are right there with them. That's all there is to it. Uh, this isn't going to be close. Uh, the Saints, they might have lost uh, their promising rookie offensive tackle, Trevor Penning, for a while. But the Falcons, uh, they might have upgraded the pass rush of the draft, but they're still rookies. Uh, uh, Jameis Winston and company are going to have no time uh, making their fair share of big plays against the Falcons' defense. Even if uh, A.J. Terrell locks up Michael Thomas, he'll go deep to Chris Olave and expose him that way. And this uh, Saints defense, which might be the best defense in the NFL, uh, will uh, just... Uh, be after Marcus Mariota all day long. It's not going to be close. Uh, let's say Saints 26, Falcons 6. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be worse than that. I <laughs> I see, um, you know, uh, comeback player of the year, Jameis Winston throwing about three or four touchdowns <laughs> here. And uh, NFL coach of the year, Dennis Allen, uh, <laughs> with his defense pitching a shutout. I've got it. Saints 30, Atlanta goose egg. Ah, pretty close. That's good. And in one of the numerous revenge games of week one, Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers hosting the Cleveland Browns. And uh, the Cleveland Browns, they still might have a lot of talent on that team, but without the uh, Hugh must not be named, dare I say, <laughs> at quarterback, uh, at Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, I just don't see them doing a lot against this underrated Carolina Panthers defense with Brian Burns and uh, Derek Brown and Shaq Thompson, uh, Jeremy Chin, JC Horn. Uh, they're going to really make life miserable on Jacob Brissett. That Browns defense is excellent too. Don't get me wrong, but there is something about revenge games and Baker Mayfield saying that I want to make them pay. He is going to make them pay and he is going to lead the Panthers to a 21 17 victory. How does he do it? Stay tuned for more predictions. Yeah, I, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, oh, you know, I mean, on, on the other hand, I look at Cleveland, and I say, well, you know, they got a million running backs over there. Maybe they <laughs> give them all 10, 15 carries and, you know, run the ball 60 times. Maybe that's enough to work. Um, revenge game, Baker Mayfield, you know, I could see him, you know, being so overexcited, he comes out and throws interceptions on his first two passes, too. <laughs> so, oh, it's a tough one. I, I think Cleveland's still got enough to get it done against Carolina. I'm picking the Browns 20-17 to 17 over the Panthers. The New York Giants traveling to Music City to take on the Titans. I may be skeptical of the Titans this season, but the New York Giants, as much improved as they are in the coaching and front office departments, they're still retooling, and they're still pretty talent uh, deficient, dare I say. And uh, the Titans, even without Harold Landry, uh, Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry are going to be in uh, Daniel Jones' face all game long. They should have no problem uh, stopping Saquon Barkley uh, at that running game. And uh, Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry at that running game should be able to do just enough. Uh, Titans 17, Giants 3. Yeah, I, I 
I got to go with this isn't this is going to be ugly. I'm not, you know, the Giants, I, I don't know how they, I'm not picking them to win a game until the second half of the season <laughs> next year. Next year. It's going to take some time here. Yeah. So I've got Tennessee 27 to 10 over the Giants. An NFC Norris battle in Minneapolis on Sunday afternoon as the Packers take on the Vikings. This is going to be interesting. We love the Packers defense. But their offense, even though it still has Aaron Rodgers, they got big questions at wide receiver. And the Vikings, they got an exciting new defensive scheme with Ed Donatel coming over. And uh, they got uh, scary weapons on offense with Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. And also they got Irv Smith Jr., underrated tight end, coming back. And the Packers, at times, they dominate the Vikings at at U.S. Bank Stadium in September. But at other times, they lose close heartbreakers to them. And I have a feeling this just might be a close heartbreaker. Keep in mind, they absolutely laid a goose egg against the New Orleans Saints week one last year. And I just have a feeling that even though they're not going to lay a goose egg this time, the Vikings are going to eke out a tough win in week one against the Packers. In typical NFC North fashion, Vikings 20, Packers 17. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take a lot for, um, you know, Green Bay, I think, to, to put up some points. But I don't know. I mean, on the end of the day, it's still Aaron Rodgers over there. <laughs> and if anybody's going to find a way, I've got to say, uh, boy, if I had to put money on the game, I'd have to put it on Green Bay. So I'm going to take it. Green Bay, close. Uh, take the under. But uh, 21 for Green Bay, 20 for Minnesota. Ooh, that should be a fun one. And moving back out to the desert where the Arizona Cardinals host Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And for everybody who was saying, oh, the Chiefs are going to take a massive step backwards on offense without Tyree Kill. Sadly, as a Broncos fan, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It is not going to happen. They're going to be just fine. Patrick Mahomes, throw those long balls to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, throw those over-the-middle balls to Sky Moore, who has Julian Edelman kind of upside. Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot. Oh, he's a weapon there, man. And you still got Travis Kelsey. And uh, you got a running game with a Clyde Edwards-Lair and underrated third-day draft pick Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers. The Chiefs still have plenty of weapons. And who do the Cardinals have on defense to get after them? J.J. Watt in his mid-30s? <laughs> Who do they have? And without DeAndre Hopkins on offense, this game is not going to be close. Chiefs roll all over the Cardinals, 31-13. to 13. Do I hear a simpatico alert, Hal? Oh, yes, you do. Sound it. You know, uh, I, the best quarterback in football right now is still Patrick Mahomes. The best offensive mind, sorry, um, McVay, I'm sorry, but he's been doing it longer. There's nobody better than Andy Reid. Um, somehow, I don't understand why the rest of the NFL keeps doing this, but they keep letting Eric Bieniemy go back to that offensive coordinator position. So please, ma- make things so much easier for Patrick Mahomes, rest of the NFL. You know, like, okay, keep doing it. Keep helping him out. You know, don't don't try to make him learn a new offense or deal with a new coordinator. You know, just keep making his life easier. Yeah, I, I I've got this one, Kansas City, uh, just rolling 
uh, maybe Arizona finds some points at the end of the game, 30 to 17. But uh, yeah, pretty easy win for the Chiefs. The AFC West, it's just going to wreak havoc on everybody outside of that division. Let's face it. And speaking of the AFC West, week one concludes on Monday night in Seattle with the Seattle Seahawks taking on Russell Wilson's Denver Broncos in a potential revenge game of the century. And as you know me, Hal, as much as I love my Denver Broncos, I am a cynical, cynical SOB <laughs> when it comes to analyzing them. And I just do not think this game is going to be easy at all because Pete Carroll knows Russell Wilson, just like Bill Belichick knows Tom Brady. Bill Belichick made life very miserable on Tom Brady last year and almost pulled off an upset against Tom Brady. And Pete Carroll, I think, might do the same on Russell Wilson. I'm still going to take the Broncos in this game, but I fully expect the Seahawks to cover the six-point spread. Is that too cynical or not? Oh, yeah, way too cynical. What? Double, double, double the point spread. No worries here. No oh worries. <laughs> Give them 12 points. I got no problem with that. I've got Denver 27, Seahawks 10. Too many weapons on one side. Not enough for the other team. <laughs> Seattle, it's a full rebuild this year. Broncos, easy peasy win. <laughs> if it happens in that fashion, I will shotgun a beer and record a video myself uh, on instagram that's all there is to it so we got two bets going out the lions when we open up this show with billy g next week and if the broncos win easily i'm uh, shotgunning a beer even though i still predict them to win so that's building off of my bet i made with uh, my friends on that beyond the chat series we just did this summer so that's all there is to it and he is hal bet ladies and gentlemen of full press coverage follow him on twitter at hal bet zero one hal it is always fun talking football with you. It's great to be in another season with you. But before we let you go, it's time for two things, our bowl predictions and our challenge flags. Let's start with bowl predictions. You go first. All right. So, yeah, uh, uh, mine was involving. I, I teased it with the Bengals with that Super Bowl hangover. How did they lose to Pittsburgh? The man, the myth, the legend, Mitch Trubisky, three touchdown passes, but not just you know, three touchdown passes. Who does he throw them to? Come on. This is the Steelers we're talking about. <laughs> what have they been doing for the last 20 years? They just keep rolling wide receivers in year after year after year. This year, it's George Pickens. So let's say three touchdown passes, 150 plus yards. Welcome to the NFL, George Pickens. Yet another Steelers wide receiver. Uh, being drafted and stepping right in and having a huge impact. So uh, that's my bold prediction. We're going to see the George Pickens, Mitch Trubisky combo go off against the Bengals. My bold prediction is that Baker Mayfield gets his revenge on the Browns by throwing for over 250 yards and three touchdowns, including a game winner, on the final play of regulation to DJ Moore. That is my bold prediction for week one. And now on to the concluding portion of our program, our challenge flags. And I'll go first here. NFL officials, tone down. And I mean tone down on the careless taunting calls. Just let the players be themselves in most of those situations. Last year, I saw countless 
flags for taunting that had no business. And I mean, absolutely no business of being thrown. And if you do not fix that this year, NFL officials, your brand will suffer even more than it has before. I guarantee you that. So NFL officials tone down on those careless taunting calls. I like it, David. I like it. My challenge flag. Hey, I, I talked some trash about Trey Lance here uh, today. I, Sorry, Trey. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to keep doing it until you prove me wrong. So my challenge flag is going to Trey Lance. Hey, prove me wrong, Trey. You got all the talent in the world. Didn't have a lot of playing time in college. Didn't exactly light the league on fire last year. You got Jimmy Garoppolo leaning over your shoulder, ready to step in. You got super talent around you. Prove me wrong. Lead the 49ers into the playoffs. Don't become that second bust of that big five of the draft uh, along with Zach Wilson. Uh, I could throw him a challenge flag too, but he's out injured, so forget him. But Trey Lance, the challenge flag is you. A lot of pressure on your shoulders. I'm just going to add some more. Prove me wrong. Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen, full press coverage. Follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. Hal, thank you so much for a very fun time today. And that's it for now here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back again in just a few weeks to recap week one, preview week two, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. I also want to wish a very happy birthday to my good friend, BB, rookie Denver Broncos cheerleader and honorary Sports Crunch co-host. And in case you missed it, please check out the interviews I did with her and five of her amazing teammates for our Beyond the Chap series with the 2022 Denver Broncos cheerleaders. They contain life lessons that will be absolutely beneficial to you regardless of what you do for a living. And I mean that sincerely. In the meantime, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram and now TikTok at Sports Crunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Hale Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long and whatever you do, choose love, choose kindness, choose compassion, choose empathy, and keep the people of Buffalo, Uvalde, Texas, Highland Park, Illinois, and of course, the brave, inspiring people of Ukraine in your thoughts, prayers, and whatever actions possible. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. Stay cool.